The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, I thought you were going to be sat in front of me, but you're not. You're still sat in Malmesbury. The whole point of this <laughs> was that we would be together again. I couldn't bring <laughs> myself to be in the same room as you. It just... <laughs> It just didn't feel right. Oh dear. <laughs> well, um, in in the end, I mean, I I did some work as you know yesterday, and uh, I, all the gear I was going to have to deep cleanse where you were going to sit because all the gear I brought back from this place is sitting where you would be sitting, and now I've got I'm I'm just waiting to deep cleanse it all. You see, mm. deep clean it all, cleanse it all, whatever the expression is. So you can, you've kind of done me a favour, but I I thought you'd be here, Kev. Where's my Kev? <laughs> How are you? All right? I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah, here we yeah go. I'm okay. Plodding on. Here we go. Back back for Mondays. The Fuji cast. Yes. Well, uh, the show that uh, Kev said uh, I need to do this when we come back. The show that was once daily is now weekly again. <laughs> uh, uh, as, as it was, normal service, well, sort of normal service resumed. It doesn't feel much like normal service to me what does it feel like to you kev feels exactly the same as when we were doing the dailies <laughs> frankly it does, i'm still it? sat here staring out my window <laughs> looking at the people going by with their masks uh, oh are they wearing masks in uh, malmsby now some of them do yeah, yeah some of them do is that just to get past your place yeah that's right we're going yeah. past the mullins is, is, is. put your mask yeah. on boys and girls but all those dogs and guinea pigs or yeah. guinea pig well you lost a guinea pig didn't you in that time went, yeah 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 no, no more. Is the other guinea pig still alive, by the way? Because it was sneezing, wasn't it? He's okay. Yeah, he's good. He's good. You made him a rack. Pouring with rain today, though. What oh, what's a change. This what? Pouring with rain. Oh, is it? Yeah. I, can, it I think I can hear it. Beautiful let, let me, the last let me, few days. Let me listen. Then... Hold on, let me listen. Yeah, I can hear the rain outside the window. Hmm. Yeah. It has I been. Yeah. I wasn't lying. <laughs> no, no, I wasn't doubting. But it has been beautiful. What's happened with the weather? I will be in trouble, though, because that just reminded me that I was meant to bring the washing in. <laughs> That's normally my trick. <laughs> Sam gets home from teaching at lunchtime. Did you bring the washing in? She knows damn well I didn't bring the washing in because she walked past it on the way, way to the back door. I was saying, oh, mm, I was on a phone call with Kev. Yeah, well, I'm going to blame you too. I'm going to say, Neil Neil wanted to do the podcast early. I'm really sorry. You blame me, I'll blame you, and then we're, we're safe. Yeah, that's it, and then they'll talk later by text. Did you say no? <laughs> anyway, so we're back to doing questions, so we'll, we'll have our regular questions. We do need your questions, by the way. Send them in to click at fujicast.co.uk. Really, really important that you keep sending your questions in. They are the lifeblood of the show. We're back to Mondays. Um, we're back to the regular style of show, though there's no book this week. Uh, we'll be back to books. H- hopefully, Kev's going to bring in a, a tome when he when he does eventually make it down the M4. Um, i tell you what I did during the lockdown is I did a Kickstarter oh, did for you? Hoxton Mini Press. Right. So they, they, they needed some funds. So I backed them and they raised about £35,000 in wow. the end, which I think is great. Yeah. So I'm waiting for, I think I've got 10 books coming. What, what was the, what was the pro- project? What did, you, what did you back? I bought back to them to survive basically because oh, they oh, were right. they were really struggling so they they did a kickstarter oh. and you could back to a certain you know there were certain levels i think i i i donated or submitted or backed to the tune of uh, 100 pounds near enough mm-hmm. and that gave me 10 books of, to the value of nearly 200 pounds so oh. win-win everyone's a winning chicken dinner <laughs> uh, so i'm waiting for those to to turn up and I'm really excited because actually, yeah. out of the package, there was only one that I'd already had. So wow! No, you, you and so it was a bit of um, potluck. Which which titles you got? Was it? No, 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 no. They were in the list, so I oh, knew I which see. ones I was going to get. Yeah, yeah. So there was one section called the London section. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one I backed. So uh, there was others also. Uh, there was one that was, I think, something like a thousand pounds, and you got every one of their books. I right, was right. desperate for that. Yeah. But then I realised, actually, I need to feed the kids. That's probably more important. Can you just sell the kids for a couple of months or something? Yeah. <laughs> Send them to well, the workhouse. Actually, I wouldn't have anywhere to put the kids. I've had all those books. Uh, that's true, yeah. yeah. So there They'd we have go. To sleep in a drawer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, okay, so we're going to do questions, and then today's um, interview is with James Lipman. Now, James is an interesting uh, chap because he's he's a British uh, photographer that um, shoots cars. Oh, it does wonderful pictures, Kev, of cars. Um, he loves cars, so it, it's exactly up his alley, as it were. Um, but then he and his, um, and his wife-to-be at the time decided to up sticks and move 
to America, to California. And now they... So he's gone through the process of getting the green card, all that kind of stuff. And I, I think it makes an interesting interview. So it's, it's James Lippman. He's shooting cars in America now and uh, mm. obviously not, not in the UK uh, anymore. So an interesting story of moving your business from the UK to to america right let's go for the questions do you want to start i will so uh we have a question straight up from steve Pereira, who is in petersfield in hampshire united kingdom i know to, that now because on the new website i have a, a little form where it says tell us where you're from <laughs> yeah. so we don't have to guess so much yeah. anyway Pete, uh, steve goes on to say uh, my question is overall how do you see the opportunities of wedding and other photographers to expand into other revenue generating streams to enable them to survive and more importantly thrive what will surely be a different environment going forward he goes on to say i've seen a lot of initiatives in relation to online courses with the most recent being the f4 team which is thomas heaton gavin hardcastle adam gibbs and nick page i know those guys uh launching a multi-episode multi-format tutorial on landscape photography what a title multi-episode multi-format yeah do you think this is going to be the norm for various different types of photography going forward? Collaboration, online courses, professional script, video work, etc., etc. Right. Hmm. Where do you start? Where do you start with that one? There's several questions there. Yeah. Well, I desperately don't want to get too negative about the future of the uh, certainly wedding photography industry. However, I think we do need to prepare ourselves for a very bumpy ride. Once the once this meanie is back in its jar, I think then we'll have to deal with um, severe kind of financial restraints in the in the economy. Lots of people losing their jobs, and yeah, yeah. lots of people going to be spending a lot less. However, um, you know, once we are back out of the out of the mix, then then hopefully things will be back to back to normal pretty soon and yeah i think you know there has been forever this isn't a new thing there's always been online courses and workshops and of course youtube etc and i think the f4 I, i've never seen them termed as the f4 team but it seems like a reasonable mm. name to me mm. um they've obviously put together some kind of online package and uh you know there, there is a lot of those you have things like creative live and all that that, that kind of started this off but there's uh, phil white for example our, our um, videographer buddy he has one online i think it's called the phil white documentary filmmaking workshop or something and it's you, you sign up and it's it's something like 30 hours of video tutorial yeah, yeah. and uh, and good for him you know hopefully it's it's kind of helped him out of a little bit of a hole and and i'm sure that the content is excellent and that brings me to the point the content mm. the content needs to be excellent if you're going to charge people for this stuff those guys tom heaton gavin hardcastle adam gibson nick page of course are excellent well, so they, i have zero they, doubt yeah, they know their thing don't they there's a lot out there that is less so yeah. however i would say um so yeah if you are thinking of doing something like that first of all i think you have to be in the situation where you've got enough reputation not so much reputation but experience i think is probably the right word to um you know to have the content to have the educational aspirations the knowledge the the practicalities of passing information on also is really important there's no point doing something like this just because you think it's going to be a quick buck you know you have to do it absolutely properly and and people have got to get value for money out of it for yeah. sure well the value is the most important thing there isn't it if you've got credibility like like all those names you just mentioned, then then you know the credibility is going to be there. I think another point was that um, more people are doing um, collaborations to train, and I think that's quite that that's quite interesting because whereas Phil White's course is, is about Phil, it's hosted by Phil, it's everything that Phil knows. You're now looking at four really top landscape photographers there joining together, which makes it instantly. Well, I I, I would say, uh, you know, if the if the price is right, come on down. Uh, more more of a sort of no brainer to use a cliche, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with you totally, especially for landscapes because essentially even if this thing goes on for 18 months or so uh, which hopefully it won't but if it does you you are going to be able to go out and photograph landscapes yeah. so for weddings i think slightly different in terms of if wedding photographers are not earning any money are they likely to be spending money on uh, you know this kind of educational stuff um perhaps they will perhaps they won't who knows yeah. but yeah it's uh, the collaboration stuff is is good it's good to see it's, it's good to see people thinking outside of the box yeah, for sure. let, let's not forget the hustle crew because wedding photographers may not be spending money at the moment but those that are going to see things like portraits things like weddings as being a second income that know nothing about it at the moment now that might frighten you you and i to death kev because we're thinking when we come back uh, we, we've got to contend with uh, an awful lot of um, newer photographers in the industry that are seeing 
wedding photography as a sideline hustle. Now, you either decide that you think, right, I want to I want to train these folks because if I don't, somebody else does. Um, or you sort of put your head in the sand and, and hope it'll all go away. For me, I think it's it's a little bit of that. Yeah, absolutely. There's a little bit of kind of fear factor. I mean, I spent a lot of time doing uh, SEO workshops and things like that. And I do very few of those these days purely because a couple of people specifically basically came and took all of the information and then set up exactly the same workshop pretty much word for word um one of them even put all my notes on ebay (laughs) no way i mean uh, i know people repackaged essentially what you taught yeah and of course i'm not the first person to run an seo workshop but yeah there's there's ethics involved with that but uh, you you know the the important thing is that you have a ambition not only to yes you want to make money and you want that to be part of your business plan but also you do you must absolutely have the ambition to educate people to go forward and do things properly if your ambition is purely just to make money with no real consideration for the industry as a whole then it's not good practice mm. i always remember speaking to zach arias once in i don't know where we were either somewhere somewhere abroad anyway and um he said look you know i'm i'm never going to photograph the cover of the rolling stone magazine but if one of my students photographs the cover of the rolling stone magazine i'll feel like i've done my job and that's important right because you know i've been to workshops i've paid for online courses where ultimately it's just you know go to the next stage, go to the next stage, go to the next stage. And, and it's always more money. You, you know, I'm just holding everything. I'm just holding the key things back just until you give me a little bit more money, just until you give me a little bit more money. And then the key thing at the end is nothing. It's, it, mm. you know, it, it, it's a nondescript. So I feel, you know, you said value for money, very important, but also with the, uh, you know, with the caveat that especially if it's the business side of things, that you're educating people, much like a teacher does in school, they're educating people to do good in the future, not purely just to to make an income. There's a real big difference. And, and I feel that some of the guys and girls who, you know, start off, uh, and they may be very, very good at photography and stuff, but then immediately, almost within a few months, it seems in some cases, they're running workshops and courses yeah. And they haven't got the time. They haven't built up the uh, the business knowledge. They haven't built up the ethical elements of that part of the, the business. And it's purely because they just want to, to make more money. Money, 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 money. Yeah. Which, of course, we all want to do. Well, what, you, what, what is that magic number, do you think? I mean, I was writing something um, for my... One million. <laughs> I'd do anything for a million. No, I didn't mean that. I, the, um, what, what is the right amount of experience? I was writing a script for my... Uh, my new daily um, podcast and um, in it I was talking about being a, a wedding it's gone out now so you, for those that subscribe to both thanks very much for being there but but I was talking about having experience and for me that experience well had we not had this pathogen Kev it would have been 900 this year uh, 900 weddings what what's what's enough is it is it 10 50 um 300 weddings 75 weddings where where does where does that credibility kick in 900 weddings it would have been 900 weddings this year Whoa. yeah yeah That's i'd have insane. done 900 yeah well yeah i always said that i'd stop at 1000 but i'm not not so sure i'll be able to afford to kev <laughs> uh that's that's a very rock and roll of you isn't it that's that's like uh you know i know mick jagger said i'm never going to record again once i get my <laughs> yeah. third number one but then, then, but, but then yeah but like like <laughs> tina turner i'd probably do lo- a stack load of comeback tours <laughs> <laughs> but i wouldn't have her legs <laughs> no, absolutely. So, but what what is that number? What's the credibility number? What what's the index? Um, I really don't know. I mean, I uh, in my mind, I I certainly I, I had a lot of people asking me to do workshops and stuff in the in the relatively early days, but I refused to do any until I'd been shooting weddings for five years. Right. Okay. So, yeah. The wedding photography side of things. So, and now, and now here's a like a real honesty question, um, and I'm just I'm going to ask this because we're both um, redesigning our websites at the moment, both using yes Squarespace. Controversial. Following um, you know the, the episode we did on on uh, on websites, but the, the question I've got is. Uh, I've been writing down a little mind map of all the bits of the website and how they all will glue together. And I, I went to put down 
and it's interesting that this question should come up today. We spent a long, long time on this question, actually. Um, is is um, is the training bit, the mentoring bit? And you've talked to me about this, and you've said you need to do more mentoring. And I've said, oh, okay, I'll get around to it. Uh, and um, I was going to put up there mentoring for photographers who want to enter the wedding industry. And then I stopped, and I thought, oh my god, am I kicking the legs out from underneath myself here? Well, because that's the that's that's the crew that are likely to spend money at the moment. Not not necessarily the wedding photographers already in it who are now screaming at me saying, "It's all right, Neil, you've done your nine hundred, then sell us all out." Or I'm talking about those that are thinking, you know, I, I've always fancied doing a bit of wedding photography, and uh, I'm going to need a second job now following following COVID. Here, here's a mentor that's done a few weddings. Maybe he can teach me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I do it. I do mentoring. I do, you know, I've done a lot of mentoring. And yeah, it's it's always been for people. I Typically, I will um, vet the people who want to do the long-term mentoring. And I don't mean to sound, that to sound egotistical, but it has to be people who have ambition to run a, a good business. And uh, typically, I'm looking for people who are, uh, you, you know, who are, you know, being brutally honest here, going to be doing it full time or want to be doing it full time. Um, I'm not particularly interested in the people who are likely to be, you know, shooting weddings for 600 quid on the weekend and, and having a nice, nice, shiny income from a day job. Um, I don't really want to, uh, you know, encourage that kind of thing, I suppose, in terms of uh, business wise, because it doesn't help us in the long term. So not not that they shouldn't do that. It's entirely up to them. But in terms of me encouraging them to do that, then that doesn't help. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it just comes down to this ethical process, doesn't it? Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that to sound stupid because we do want to make money. We do need to make money from it. But, you know, it's it's those it's those fly by night ones. You see them all the time, you know, on Facebook, the adverts that come up on Facebook, especially you know, learn to be a wedding photographer in, in six, to, six hours. You know, mm. what? Go away. Delete. <laughs> but there's always people that believe them. Yeah, what and did, it's always what, $19 reduced from 7000 What did, what did P.T. Barnum say? 10 hours only. There's discount. A, 10 hours only. Discount. And they discount. got a little clock that's counting down. Oh, no. $19 yeah. only reduced oh. from $797 that oh, it's never no. been, ever, yeah, yeah. in the lifetime as ever. <laughs> okay. Uh, right, James Lippman to come in a, in a moment. Um, and and we've, we've spent quite a lot of time on that question, so we'll come back with some more questions after the interview. Um, but I, I've got a couple of things here to point out. You may have some feelings about them. There was uh, a one here. This is from a friend of the show, Phil Payne. Do you remember dear Steve Shipman? We, we of course, featured his uh, interview um, on this podcast, didn't we? Who passed away. It's two years since Steve passed, almost. Can you, can you believe that? I just... I can't believe it's it's two years, but um, he has brought out um, a book, um, and uh, it, it's called Micro Stories. And uh, I've got a link. And what we'll do, Kev, if you don't mind, we'll put we'll pop that link up um, on the the new shiny brand new shiny website, so that you can have a look. It's a blurb book, and you can buy uh, Micro Stories, which is a story really of of Steve's. Um, I suppose later life, really, as a, as a photographer. And I, I flicked through the preview, and, and I, I felt myself having a bit of a, a photographic education as I was doing so. So it's not, it's not the cheapest book, but... Um, so these are Phil's pictures of Steve? No, no, these, they, sorry. Phil curated no, Steve's pictures? I didn't explain that very well, did I? No, Phil sent me the link, um, because ah. he was, of course, Steve's best friend, wasn't he? Yeah. And this is Steve's book, the late Steve Shipman's book. Um, so, yeah. I wanted I wanted to point that out. Maybe if I could send you that link, Kevin, we'll pop that up. And the yeah, other one was was from Matt here. Hi guys, don't even know uh, follow the rumor sites, but Kev mentioned that he uses um, a Viltrox eighty five mil with his X Pro three. It was just announced that the camera uh, can be damaged or scratched by this lens. That was on Fuji Rumors. Did you know about that, Kev? Yeah, I saw it. Made me laugh. Did it? Because I saw that somebody. I got sent that link about a million times. Oh right, uh, approximately <laughs> maybe nine hundred ninety-five thousand, and uh, and it was essentially the the Viltrox. The because uh, the Viltrox stuff is one of the first lenses that uses it can use the autofocus system. Um, and, uh, and, and I had one, I had the, well, I still have it, the 85 mil, I think it's F 1.8. And, uh, the, the article was essentially saying that if you use it, it might scratch the, um, the, the lens release 
button on oh, your camera. Okay. Uh, so, which clearly has did not bother me in one instant. Yeah. Um, however, they, you know, I didn't read much more of that, but I, I presume that you know potentially could damage the lens release button, which obviously you don't want. A little scratch here and there doesn't bother me at all. But uh, yeah, I did see that. All right, but but it, it, you, you, it's there's <laughs> it, nothing in it, or it's it's okay. I or? I, well, it wouldn't stop me using it. No, put it that okay. way. All right. <laughs> Right, um, America. Have you ever fancied um, spending more time in America? And, and I know at the political situation at the moment, notwithstanding, but uh, and COVID notwithstanding, but but working as a photographer in America, I, I think what a place to go to photograph. Huge, expansive country, so mm. much to make imagery, and so many things to to see. And the the wedding industry there is pretty vibrant, isn't it? In normal times, anyway. No. Uh, I went to America. I went. Have you ever been to America? <laughs> yeah, I have actually. Yeah, yeah. I went uh, on my first on my first honeymoon with the first one in in, uh, in <laughs> my Peter life. So, excuse me. What what do you mean with the first one? In the you first mean with one. my first the, wife, the, the one that came before the current one, the <laughs> one that's going to be for eternity. Yes. Uh, we went. We had a two month honeymoon in in America. Two months. Yeah. My word. Yeah. Did you what? Did you do a big tour of the country or something? Yeah, it was great. We oh. got married in. Uh, my word, December, I think it was. So we flew out to LA and we hung around there for a bit. Then we went up to, where did we go after that? We went up to, uh, we did the usual Route 66 thing to Vegas and all that kind of stuff. Spent a bit of time there. We went to um, Colorado and spent New Year skiing in, in um, oh my word. somewhere or other. Love then we headed uh, east to washington and philadelphia we ended up with wow. in philadelphia where we had uh, we had relatives yeah. and uh, and then up to new york and then yeah came back and we argued for two months <laughs> that was it <laughs> actually let me i'm going to throw up a five second timer here um i want you to give me the the th- the three most extraordinary landmarks you saw in america starting now Oh, my word! Um, my word! I don't know. We saw the um, the big hole. Oh, in the ground. look! You failed. Um, we saw the the, the you, pictures, the the big um, the things with you, all the the you, monuments you with spent, the um, president's faces. Have you spent two months and you couldn't <laughs> name three? Honestly, uh, but, but you do Malibu remember the Beach. arguing. <laughs> no, not Malibu. Is it Malibu, Malibu. in uh, California? Um, no. Is that in California? I think it is. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we went to San Francisco. Yes. Yeah, we went all over the place. Oh, I tell you, one of one of the things I can remember from that trip was we were in uh, Los Angeles. No, 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 we're in Las Vegas, yeah. and we were playing pool. And this guy said, uh, "We got chatting to this guy, and and he's he somehow he managed to make us." He said, you've got to come back to our house to see our car. What? Uh, his wife. Yeah, it was very odd. Right. And we did because we were drunk. And so we went. <laughs> we walked for seemingly miles and miles, way out of town. In- so you, you were walking out into the desert uh, with a stranger, <laughs> yeah. drunk. We went, and uh, and at that point, my first wife was like, I'm overly confident with this now. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll just see. He was a nice guy. He did seem like a nice guy. Anyway, we went. Well, so did Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> we went around a corner and uh, he went look what? and it was a mini oh that was it it was just a mini like like one of the one of the minis you know a car yeah yeah and i was like well <laughs> he's like look it's a mini it's like the only one in in the whole of the state or something and i was like no it's not it's really not we've walked miles to see the same car we've got at home <laughs> so we went man. in their thousands <laughs> with your first <laughs> one. Oh, hang on sorry hold on Hold on, hold on, Kev. I just... Oh, it's over there. Hello? Yeah, he's talking about her a bit, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'll let him know. Thanks, bud. That was Gemma. Yeah. If you must talk about your first wife, please don't do it for more than 30 seconds at a time. I'm not talking to Gemma at the moment, anyway. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Because she wants chickens. I'm not having chickens in the card. (laughs) Oh, right. The... This is meandering just slightly. This shows that we've missed each other, doesn't it? Um, well, you mentioned a mini car. That seems like a, a, a good um, segue into James Lipman, uh, who travelled from the UK to America, uh, taking with him his uh, his uh, extraordinary ability to photograph cars. Um, and I think the interesting uh, thing is his story about having moved his business from 
from the UK to America and, and, the, and the way that he photographs because we haven't we haven't actually I don't think we have had an autumn well we have had somebody photographs um, uh, motorsports but we haven't had anybody that photographs uh, cars as kind of a fashion item if you like so so this is James Lipman James you get the enviable job of having that, that kind of career where you get to play with all the toys so we're talking about cameras and we're talking about lighting and we're talking about supercars though I can't imagine it was like that at the start was it no I um I left school thinking I want to be uh, a press photographer and I went to do the uh, NCTJ course in Sheffield which I think a few of your other guests um will have mentioned really good course um but I just wasn't very good at press photography I just wasn't streetwise enough, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I did a couple of work placements, and then I went to work for a newspaper called Metro in London. I know it. And I, I really enjoyed it, just how kind of wasn't in it. And um, all the time I'm there, I'm seeing car magazines and thinking, I could probably do this. I probably would be all right at this anyway. So, so I got in touch with a few of the sort of um, – back then they had uh, – like tuna magazines for people that were into modifying carts. I mean, this is like yeah. you know, the early uh, 2000s, if you like. And um, and so I got in touch with a couple of those those magazines, and a few of them gave me paid commissions, which is amazing. So so yeah, so uh, did a couple of jobs for them. They were delighted with them. I really enjoyed it, gelled with it, and um, that was how I got into doing car magazines. It's as simple as that, really. Are you are you a petrol head naturally? Then I, would, uh, I, know, yeah, I know you're into flying. Absolutely. I know you're into flying, but, yes. but yeah, yeah. I got, I've I've always been interested. In that. I got into that after the fact because it obviously is expensive. And um, but you know I've always been into cars uh, f- from the get go, and still am. And I and I enjoy everything about. It. I enjoy the what they do as well. As, you know, the fact that you can go places in them, and I enjoy working in them, uh, working on them, and I, everything about them. I just I just love it. So. so so if you break down at the side of a road, you're a useful man. You you, you if you've got a wrench, you can fix it. If you've got the parts and the tools, I will okay. probably, yeah. And, I, you know, if I can, if it doesn't involve lifting the car, then yeah, I think it would be all right. So. What, what do you drive, James? What, what's your car? Uh, oh, this is going to be embarrassing. I, I drive a 1999 Isuzu Rodeo, which is a Vauxhall Frontera with a V6 in it. This, this is <laughs> not a great car. This is not, not what I was expecting. No, not at all. <laughs> I have an old Porsche. So I have a, an old Porsche and an aeroplane. And in order to run those two ridiculous things, I have to drive around in a disaster. No, you, you call it what you call it what you like. You started in the UK, then we'll get to America in a moment. How do you you, you started to build a portfolio? You got a couple of lucky commissions by the sound of it, which is fantastic. But then you've really got to start ramping it up, haven't you? How how did the next part of that journey go? I just I the the career progression was I started in the in these tuna magazines and as quickly as they were beginning to fade out because the internet kind of ate into all that market. Um, the the bigger more mainstream car magazines started to notice my work and i started doing stuff for them and then there from there manufacturers start noticing your work and hiring you to shoot their product so that was the career progression that took i don't know until from from the start until i was working for the manufacturers was probably six or seven years so it wasn't like you know it it wasn't immediate um but i kept always kept doing the magazine stuff because i like shooting magazine stuff it's it keeps you brain fizzing and there's no briefs and there's no you know approved angles or anything you just go and do it and it and that and i don't think i'll ever stop doing it as long as people will hire me to do it if you know what i mean it seems one of those those areas you know, car photography where it's un, untouched by a thousand and one workshops james you know in, in, in wedding world you got a, a plethora of choices touted around from people who've shot you know a grand total of 10 to those that have been in it for decades how on earth do you go about getting the knowledge in your game? Because photographing cars is a highly skilled genre. I mean, look at the lighting alone. You're, you're dealing with, you're literally dealing with a four-sided mirror with some of these cars, aren't you? I, I don't know. I, just, I, think, I think with everything you do in photography, you've got to photograph what you're interested in. And if you don't, it shows immediately. There's just no point doing it. You have to be, what's the Robert Kappa quote? If your photographs aren't good enough, you're not close enough. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I heard someone mentioned the other day and I just thought, oh yeah, I hadn't heard that in ages and it's, it's brilliant. And it's like, you know, it's close enough physically and it's close enough emotionally as well. Like you, if you're not engaged with it, then you're not in, you're not going to get good pictures out of it. And I think, that for me was the thing with the press photography and then going into cars was that new stuff. I just wasn't engaged with it enough to make the magic happen. Whereas the cars, you know, I, I totally understand them and I love them. And it's, 
and it's it, I find it extremely easy to 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 show that through my work. How, how did you then start stepping into the studio? Because uh, lifestyle shots and being out at events is is one thing, but then you're going to start moving into the studio, and then you've got floating ceilings, haven't you, and and all those kind of things to start yes. dealing with. Um, studio stuff is is a lot of times when you photograph in cars, it's more to do with the environment than it is the actual car itself. Um, and then when you go into a studio, then you're creating the environment that it's in. But you're also, what you're seeing is complete, I mean, most of it is reflections in the, the, the shape of the car is dictated by the reflection of it. So you have total control over it. Um, completely different to shooting in, in uh, on location. And how I got into that, um, that was, it was just by force really i think someone came to me years ago and said we need a car shot in a studio and i went yeah i can do that you know how difficult can this be and it turns out it is extremely difficult yeah. and um i i really enjoy it uh how but does, I, my, my forte is location stuff i mean yeah. you know it always has been probably always will be how does it work with a, with a crew uh, do, you, do you get a lighting crew and then the, you're a photographer and essentially you might even get a stylist i suppose for a for a car as well i would imagine there's a yeah. fairly large crew on a shoot like that it completely depends on the budget so when you do magazine stuff no it's it's often I mean, most of the time it's just me and a driver and it's literally two people and then if you're lucky you'll get a third person so you can do some car to car stuff which is which is nice and uh, and then when you go on uh, and uh, bigger shoots like um you know brochure stuff for, for car manufacturers and they, they, you know the crew size is proportional to the amount of money they have to spend yeah. and it, for me this is slightly controversial but it, it doesn't it yeah it sometimes is a diminishing return the more people you put on the job the more complicated it becomes the slower things move and i i've always enjoyed getting on with like just getting on with the job not hanging around not having to you know there's there's two ways of d- doing this you either do you know one of photographer does three or four shots a day and everything's total precision or you or you just get on with it and you you chase moments rather than Mm. anything else a few years back james you swap shores you up sticks you move to america it was going well in the uk i think anyway wasn't it what what, why the move what was the what was the fascination about living in the states ultimately it's the space here i i shooting in the uk is is tricky because it's a small place and and you know i'm on the road most of the time in the and just the environment you're in is quite is quite small and you come to the US and suddenly it's just limitless space and beautiful light and uh and crucially you don't get cold and wet and i was just i'd had i've done 10 or 13 years of being cold and wet in my job and just thought okay i'll have a piece of that but um i was coming here on work more and more and i and it got to the point where i was like i would like to be there full time that would be nice how did the green card bit work though because getting the permissions to move across must have been a bit tricky or was it yeah it's kind of tricky you have to you you sort of they they just want to see that you're at the it's really awful but at the top of your field if you're good at what you do and you can prove it then they will give you a fighting chance of working here because ultimately they want to keep their economy you know running with the best people they can so so that's what i did they have a special green card for that and did you find the work coming in reasonably straight away or did you really have to fight for it (laughs) no i mean kind of it was it was it was it was interesting because i moved from a country where everybody in the whole industry knew who you for most part knew who you were and and that you could do decent work and you turn up in the us and it's like so who are you why are you did you come from what, what are you doing why are you here and um and it takes a lot i think it felt it felt to me like it took a lot more to convince people here because i and i i couldn't ever work out the reason but i wondered whether it was something to do with the fact that it's very easy to fire people in the us you don't have the employment protection that you do in the uk and i think with the uk people are more willing to give you a chance and if it didn't work out it didn't work out whereas here if people give you a chance and it doesn't work out their boss will just be like yeah don't do that again. By the way, you're fired. Hmm. And um, and so people are much more... I feel like people are much more protective of their um, of their own interests. Do you feel personally now you've you've earned your reputation again, that, that people know James Lipman again, but this time in America? No, I think I'm still working on it. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Work to be done. Uh, uh, you always will be there. That's the thing with this game, isn't it? You always will be. You, yeah. you, you know, you have to mark it. Otherwise, what are, you know, you just going to vanish off the face of the earth so i, I spoke recently with a, a top food photographer who said the worst day of his photographic life james was watching a a weighted lighting setup 
fall across the table um, uh, uh, dressed with food in a two-star Michelin restaurant in front of the chef. Um, uh, have you ever scratched the top mark or, I don't know, le- left a melted Kit Kat on the, on, on the upholstery of a Bentley or something? I don't really want to answer this question. <laughs> yeah, I, I want you to. You've got to answer this question. Yeah, things happen. They just have. They just do. And I, and I feel like, because, you know, because I like cars, I understand them. I feel like I treat them very nicely. Um, you don't, you know, you don't wipe them when they're dusty and things like, you know, things like this. But uh, no, I've had a couple of howlers and um, I had an assistant destroy a car on a job, which is not des- des- cool. Destroy a uh, car, yeah, very, yeah. yeah. When you listen to the Top Gear guys talking about what they've done to cars and had to re- return them just the axles, I was, I was wondering if that was yeah. was the case. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever seen. Uh, they did a show where they played football with a load of... T- well, I can't remember what the car was. Toyota Yaris's or something like this. Anyway, and, you know, you, they're just destroying the cars in front of you on the screen. And, and Toyota are obviously delighted because they're getting airtime. I don't have that privilege. No, if I can go with a destroyed car, you'd be like, yeah. Um, so, I mean, but, to answer the question, by and large, no, I don't damage cars. And they go back to the manufacturers looking like they're right. Yeah. But... Uh, but yeah. Do you get to take the cars home? It, occasionally, yeah. And actually, it's kind of annoying because I, I, as much as I enjoy them, I also don't want them in my life. I just want to sort of do what I need to do and then give them back and not have to have the responsibility. I don't want to, you know, drive around in them and lord it up. But I've had, it's a couple of just extraordinary ones. I had a car from, from Rolls Royce, who I, I, who I work with a lot in the UK, I absolutely love. And um, I love their cars as well. And they, they, we shot this car in the Isle of Man, and, and I drove it home after the shoot. And then it just sat, sat in my driveway for a week. And it was, no. it was, a, it was a dawn. It was three hundred grand or something. I mean, it was just extraordinary. So it sat there, and uh, eventually I phoned up the, my contact, Rolls Royce, and said, "Do you want this back?" And they're like, "Oh, you've got that." <laughs> oh, they didn't even know yeah. where it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got it. <laughs> oh right, okay. Yeah, we'll send someone to come and get that. And I think it was another two days before they come and got it. And and they just so they were they were so relaxed anyway. But yeah. it's just bizarre. And I, all the time, it sat there and thinking, please move it, please move it, please move it. I don't want it. I don't want it. So yeah. And then there was you know I had the same thing with the green Lamborghini that sat there for ages and uh, unbelievable. I want it. I would like it to be someone else's problem, right? Take it away. <laughs> how, how much creative input do you get? For instance, on your website, there's a there's a sequence of uh, of shots. It's a Mercedes shoot actually, where the people are almost ghostly around the car. Lots of motion blur, with the car standing proudly against uh, a backdrop. But it but it's static. Are they your ideas, or do the agency bring them to you, and you have to execute their ideas? No, that was that was shot for. Uh, an American magazine called Car and Driver, and the car was secret, so it couldn't be out in public. And that building is the, I think it's the Mercedes Financial Center All right. in Stuttgart. But um, turned up there, and uh, you know nobody, no one even at Mercedes has seen this car. So the car's out in the courtyard. They pull the cover on it, and the courtyard is surrounded by offices, and everyone in their office is like, "I want to go and look at that." So this huge crowd of people descends on the car, and it's me. And no one else. Me, the PR guy from, or PR lady from um, Mercedes, and no one else. And she's trying to get people to move away from the car, and they won't because there's 200 of them. And so at this point, I'm like, well, I need to do something to make this work. And that goes back to my whole thing of not, you know, enjoying working on my own and not with you. Because if we'd set that shoot up and decided beforehand it had to look a certain way, those pictures wouldn't have happened. And so I'm there on my own. I'm like, I need to make this something. So that was the end result. That was just the, my workaround. And it, and it looked cool, you know. It was yeah. something I didn't expect I'd ever get. Post-processing. Do you do it yourself, or do you have a team of specialist retouchers that work with cars? No, I mostly do it myself. Occasionally, I have other people do it. Mm. And, um, and yeah, and I, 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 I enjoy doing it. When I go into the shoot, I know where I'm going to be with the post-production as well, for the most part. Or, or as I'll shoot, it will become apparent what i'm gonna you know the mercedes thing it as it as it went on it's like okay, i need to do this this and this i just like that i like the beginning to the end control over the whole thing how, how does the lighting work then for for these shoots i, I know we we touched on the studio with the floating uh, mm. i know you get the floating ceilings but um when you're out in courtyards are you you taking huge sandbagged uh, strobe units or constant light source or are you working with natural light how, how, i mean i'm sure it changes 
per shoot, but is there is there a general standard? Yeah, and it sort of it changed when I moved to the US as well. When I was in the UK, because there is kind of you know you don't get the consistency of the light. Well, you do get the consistency of the light, and it's just not very good. Um, I I would put a lot of strobe in stuff to get the metallics to show in the paints and stuff because you need direct light and. Then when I moved to the US, I started using less and less strobe. I still carry it, but uh, I, I don't carry lots of it. I have two Elinchrom, what they are, let's turn them up on the shelf, they're quadras. And then if I need to go bigger, I carry some Rangers that are the same thing, a little bit more powerful. But that's it for outdoors. That's the only thing for me that will, that has the punch to overcome um, daylight. And shoot through uh, umbrellas or soft boxes no. or just the bare, no. bare heads? Bare heads, yeah, because it's, the bigger you make that light source, the more it reflects in the car. A lot of people don't realise that. But it's, ah. it's um, yeah, it's, no, it's not really... There are places for soft, soft boxes and all that kind of stuff, but in terms of sheet metal, it doesn't... They, tend to not really work so so yeah bare bulbs and if you've got lots of reflection which you're bound to i'm sure there's some cars where you think i just can't hide this reflection you're i would assume you're taking that out in post-processing afterwards no you can always hide it there's always there is always a way you can do it but yeah eventually i mean if you if you it's more time you can always hide it but if you like oh this is gonna take ages to sort this out you know, I don't. I like to get as much done in camera. I'm old school. I like to get as much done in camera as I possibly can. Um, but there comes a point of, of diminishing returns. It's I, I, take for example, like if you're shooting on a road and you want the road to be empty, and you're waiting for traffic and waiting for traffic, and then one car pops up over the horizon half a mile away. It's that's going out in Photoshop. And the same with reflections. If there's something there, like a telegraph pole, bam, just get rid of it. And lens-wise, what, what are you? Are you stepping back from the car or using wide angles? What what kind of kit are you using to capture the, these shots? Pretty basic stuff. I like 35 mil for speed, and the quality now is there. But mm. you, you know, it's still, I mean, if for, for certain jobs you have to rent phase stuff and and use medium format. But um, I find that really slow to work with by comparison so i just for most of my work i use a full frame 35 mm um, dslr and i use a 28728 and a 7200 and i carry a 300 f4 and that is basically what i do 99 percent of my work on uh, you've cut the kit list right down haven't you for speed yeah because the more stuff i carry the slower i work i enjoy equipment but i don't want it to be in my face when i'm working i just want to think about what i'm doing and not have to deal with multiple options now, I'm not going to ask you for a favourite shoot because that, that seems kind of a crass question. But yeah. there must be those shoots where you think, oh, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, there, there was a real glamour shoot, which is on your website, with the James Bond franchise, Aston Martins of, of late. That, that must have been an extremely exciting one to work on. Yeah, that was a few that was years ago. Actually. In fact, that was one of, the, one of the last shoots I did before I moved to the US. And I still right? got it on there because I just loved it. It was for Vanity Fair magazine, which is a, not a car magazine, not a magazine I'd ever worked for before. No. Um, and they do a they do a, a, a driving supplement, so it was for them, and it was really cool. It was just wonderful. Um, but there's been lots of other. I mean, that's you know that's one, and and um, I, I don't know. I, was, I don't really I don't really ever go and do shoots that make that, that I don't love doing even when the car's not particularly interesting you end up in fantastically you know you go to fantastic places and see fantastic things that you wouldn't ordinarily see so they all have their own merits you know well i was going to ask actually that are you a terrible car snob are there those those situations where no i'm going to pick i'm no this is i'm I'm not going to put this car into your mouth but you know if i was a car photographer and somebody said well look you're doing an aston martin this week then next week you're doing a yaris do you find yourself, I, I'm sure you're going to say no, because your last answer suggests you're going to say no, that even a Yaris in the desert can look nice. Yeah, that's exactly it. And also that car will mean something to someone somewhere, right? Someone will go and buy it and be absolutely delighted with it. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with a Yaris at all. It's a fantastic piece of kit, right? So for what it does, for, what it, for, for the purpose that it serves. So you've got to, I think there's a, there are photographers out there that are like, well, I, I won't shoot anything except supercars. And I think, to me, supercars can be as, as uninteresting as a Yaris can be to someone else, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, it doesn't, well, this is not relevant to anything. I mean, you know, they're fantastic things, but no, I, don't, I, I, I think everything has its place. Do you go home each day just a little bit envious of some of the stuff you see? You think, oh, I wish I had one of those. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. You've got to remember the service bills on them, right? <laughs> That's true. Yes, you can't. <laughs> you know, you, you have this $400,000 car parked in your driveway and the, the service bill is proportional to the cost of the car. Um, 
No, absolutely not. No, I, I would. I'm sure if you know, I, I would. I would enjoy owning something very exotic. But uh, I get equal pleasure out of my two and a half thousand dollar Isuzu. <laughs> it, it, it just, it just, it just doesn't matter. Because to me, for quite a lot of what I enjoy about cars, it's what they bring to you as a you know they, what they bring to the to the owner like it's not showing off and this and the other it's the utility of the thing yeah. and the wonder of being able to just get in something and i mean as a as a, as a device they are incredible aren't they? you get in it and it will take you pretty much anywhere on the planet um bar crossing a sea which you can obviously put it on a boat and do but you know people have driven around the world and will continue to do so and that's there's not many machines in this world that will give you that level of experience and i think that's what that's the fascination of cars for me my thanks to James Lipman. Of course, we will put the uh, the appropriate links for his website and his work uh, on the Fujicast website. And please keep sending your um, your questions in to, uh, through the contact form of the website as well, uh, fujicast.co.uk. Kev, you were talking about chickens just a moment ago, I want, um, and I, kn- I know you say you're not going to have them, but usually what Gemma says goes, doesn't it, in the end? Really? Not on this occasion, no. <laughs> I am not you, having, no. You're really going to put your foot down? Yes, and if I have to put my foot down on those chickens, I will. No, don't say things like that. You'll upset Bocca chicken, won't you? <laughs> yes, <laughs> very unhappy. Uh, you like I want it. all the people who have chickens in their gardens to email Gemma directly <laughs> and say, what a bad idea it is. Bocca chicken, would you like to live with, with Kev? I know you would. He'd look after you, wouldn't he? Yes, I know. I can see Monty now lying on the sofa dreaming of having chickens in the garden. <laughs> oh, can I you can imagine that? that? I'd bring a fresh one in for you every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the only thing I would say about having chickens, Kev, because we had them, it, it was a... I want to tell you a story which you, you can tell Gemma, okay? This will put her off. Have you ever heard of chicken mites? Yes, that's the thing. That's the thing they get up there. Yeah. Isn't it? Mm. You do, don't you? I know, it's yeah. not very nice, not very pleasant. No. Um, well, we uh, w- the chicken mites made their way from the chicken pen into the house. Oh, well, that's uh, it. I, I, I'm telling <laughs> you, I'm telling you, Kev. Uh, one, mo- one morning, they were in our bed. And, and like, I'm telling you, uh, it was just horrible, Kev. It was like, just, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> they they I'm get really glad you told me because that that certainly this is <laughs> hang on hang on right i'm ready i've just closed the case <laughs> and and i'm just so if you want to tell her this it's true they get up every crevice if does anybody want to buy a chicken coop <laughs> I love oh that no word. you don't already have the coop do you Oh. Yes, of course we've already got the coop. That's how it works in our house. Things appear in the garden. You huge are, things. You are so, you are so getting chickens. You really well, are. Hold up. This morning, you and I were on a Zoom call. Yeah. And did you not see the coop being brought through the house? Oh, was that? I, yeah, it was a huge thing. But I, that was the coop, was it? Yes, exactly. So oh. she waited till I was busy on a Zoom call <laughs> with you, and then she disappeared out the house. And all of a sudden, she came in with this massive. Uh, bloody chicken you, I'm sorry you're done for you've got chickens and nope. and in six months you're going to have chicken mite oh, <laughs> I no, feel no. like chicken mite tonight no. if we get chickens in this house I'm going to go and live in my studio <laughs> uh, you can come here it's a chicken free zone here <laughs> anyway it's against your principle so I don't even eat eggs right. so I, can't, I couldn't even have the eggs that, that, that they would presumably not that i would ever i'm never going to go near an egg now after you that story you just said well no i mean they don't get chicken mites in the eggs kev no but that, it's around that area isn't it <laughs> it's the excavation shoot <laughs> stop it you're quite right scott we should stop it right moving on let's have a question well, there's not so much a question but, but a question from something that was emailed in matthew rumblo emailed in with some pictures of his first exhibition there were a lot of emails over the last couple of months three months so so you might have missed this one kev i don't know but uh, hi says i've literally started listening to the podcast and love it my friend adam featherston recommended you i recently put on my first public gallery exhibition in stamford at the arts center 
uh, which just squeaked in ahead of the lockdown. My friend thought I might be good interview fodder, as I suspect it's something many keen amateurs and professionals have thought about. Anyway, just a thought. It was great fun, a very steep learning curve. Not suggested as a way of boosting my profile, incidentally. I don't have one. It's still very much a hobby. From uh, Matt Rumbelow, who's in who's in uh, Rutland. Well, Matt Rumbelow, I will be in touch, so thank you. In the meantime, Kev, a question. Now, I know you've had your stuff shown. I know that. Some big exhibitions, some big pictures as well, particularly in Tokyo. But have you ever organised your own exhibition? Nope. Anything nope. that you'd be interested in, do you think? Yeah, potentially. I mean, really depends, doesn't it? But one of the ambitions of doing the doorstep photos during the lockdown or the, the back end of the lockdown was that we might be able to do a, a little exhibition in the town hall here but it hasn't really worked out that way so um probably won't happen yeah. but yeah i mean of course who wouldn't want their work exhibited brilliant wouldn't it? it's a really good way of uh, publicizing your business i remember um when we were but fledgling business in fact at that stage i don't think i'd even Maybe I had photographed a couple of weddings, but it was very, very, very early days of, of uh, our photo business. And we, uh, with um, a website, I don't know if they still exist, the Best Of franchise, but there was a franchise called the Best Of. So you'd have the Best of Malmesby, Best of Bristol, Best of... So we had Best of Newbury. And um, I photographed um, lots and lots of business uh, people. Um, we did an open day, uh, the Corn Exchange, where people could just wing by and... And we uh, we did portraits of them. Um, we did a couple of street portraits. I mean, it wasn't really all, in, in in terms of having a format. It wasn't organised. So some of it was on white backgrounds. Some of it was in the street. But it was a really good way to launch um, launch our business because we were able to. Uh, we photographed about hundred people. And uh, lots more than that came to the opening night. The, mm. I tell you what, the mayor came along, the local MP came along, who opened it, which, and then proceeded to eat uh, the box of um, what are those those posh foxes biscuits up on the mezzanine floor. The two of them and their entourage just descended on them like locusts. But <laughs> but it was a really good way of starting the business. I just thought maybe that's a as we emerge out of this, maybe an exhibition's a good way to there's going to be exhibition space as well isn't there here and there yeah 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 we have a in Malmesbury they have a they have exhibitions a lot there they, we've got a group here called the Malmesbury snappers <laughs> they, they do a lot of uh, a lot of exhibitions of, of members works yeah. it's good it's good i always enjoy going to have a look at that it's interesting as well the amount of businesses restaurants are a good one that, that actually would let you put pictures on walls mm. because we used to do that quite a lot in newbury we um to this day there are two massive canvases up at uh, Indigo Bay, which is the Indian fabulous Indian restaurant in Newbury, uh, there's um, there's two. Well, there were last time I looked through the window prior to lockdown, two thumping great canvases, uh, sort of character ones, where the uh, where, where featured uh, the staff sort of going at each other with saucepans and stuff. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just a just a thought, just an idea. Question, Kev, have you got one? I've got one from Ian uh, Ian Knight in Leicester, and he says, "Hi, Kevin Neal." Listening to the very interesting interview with Bert Stefani, big Bert Stefani, <laughs> who was uh, obviously our last guest on the daily. Yeah. Uh, he said, um, I found it interesting this, about the situation where he acknowledged how good a snapshot from a mobile phone was compared uh, to his own shot yeah. without editing. Yeah. He goes on to say, mobile phone cameras use computational methods to overcome their inherent limitations. Is it realistic for the manufacturers of DSLRs or mirrorless cameras to pursue this technology going forward? Um... He's right in that often you can just point your phone at something and, and it gets a good picture. You know, you don't need to worry. You can worry about things like exposure and stuff, but typically the phone deals with almost all of it. But don't look at them too closely when, when you blow them up large. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things on this, isn't there? I mean, when you take the, when you take the average, if you look at the average mobile phone, there is a lot more processing power in those phones than there are in cameras. Typically, yeah, yeah. you know, there's some of them have got gigs of memory and disk space for them to whiz around and process and all the software that they need can be installed. So you, you just typically can't get that in a, in a, in a camera. Although I think I know I, I don't know which one I have a feeling it was Sigma or somebody made a camera, which basically had the Android operating system built yeah. into it. Wow. I'm not sure. I'm sure it was Sigma, and it was announced at Photokina a couple of years ago. I don't know whether it ever came to market. I'll, I'll look that up, uh, but something something along those lines. And, of course, we've all 
heard of the the fabled organic sensor that they're going to call it the organic sensor i don't really know what that means but mm. presumably it's a sensor that doesn't really have the difficulties with light sensitivity that traditionally we have um how when if that ever comes to fruition i would imagine that we'll see a lot more stuff going on then i personally think camera manufacturers should go down the route now of starting to think more about 5g and uh, you know, off-site kind of storage and things like that. That, that now we've got 5G coming, and the, the power that's going to bring us is 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 going to be insane. Yeah. So I can imagine shooting a wedding and just having the pictures in Dropbox within seconds and <laughs> yeah. writing a little script so it yeah. edits them and done and dusted by the time you get home. Imagine that. Put, put your feet up, enjoy playing with the chickens a bit, couldn't you? It'd be brilliant, the, wouldn't it? Kitchen. <laughs> but that's yeah. that's sigma things. <laughs> Stop talking about the bloody chickens. <laughs> yeah, go on, you want to live with Kev, don't you? <laughs> yes, you do, of course you do. Um, but that Sigma thing's quite interesting. I'm just, I'm being a bit flippant with this, but can you imagine during, during those long, long speeches um, at weddings where, you know, there's usually the best man where he, where he thinks he's funny and he's rambling on for 40 minutes and everybody's lost the will to live, quite frankly. And, and, um, but you could be you could be on on, on your phone can on your camera rather check <laughs> checking your checking your email messages in the viewfinder whilst you're pretending to take an image. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice well, way to football spend. manager. I'd be playing football <laughs> manager. Football manager. <laughs> yeah, no, not that I'm suggesting either myself or Kev would get involved in that kind of thing. <laughs> clearly, right. One from Ray Harris. Hi Neil. Hi Kev. It feels weird not hearing you during the week, but I'm glad you're back for the Mondays. I've been thinking of late how to really kickstart my enthusiasm again since staying in has not resulted in taking 5,000 pictures of my family. I put the camera away like I think you both did. Um, how do you intend to kickstart your mojo from Ray? Have you kickstarted your mojo yet? I mean, I, I started um, with that wonderful invite for Cargo Collective. Um, I started doing taking a camera out a lot more on my photo walks now because I, I thought of a story that I want to do for Cargay. But so I started doing... And that's been helping with my mojo a bit. I've been lingering longer on my walks now that I'm allowed to. Yeah, I think, you know, it's going to be a case of when, as and when we can start shooting again properly outside and street photography. I've got a whole load of street photography workshops backed up. I've had to postpone. So they, they'll be kind of first on the, the agenda for me. But st I'm still currently in the in the saving the business and trying to move it forward stage yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, that's, that's where I'm at. So, uh, and that's, that's going all right, but that, so that's important. That's more important for me right now. You know, the website when, and, when, and various things. When do you seriously think you're going to be out there photographing again? Uh, put, putting aside, putting aside, I know we've had so many conversations where he said, well, it won't be starting until January, 2027. Um, but Are you on about weddings or just generally? Well, wedding, well, in the, mainly that's what we shoot, Kev. Yeah. But you know, street photography, I, I, I I thought the other day about popping up to London and doing some street stuff, but then uh, you know, I got frightened basically because you can now you can go out. And I thought, do I thought there was a I thought there was a, um, a limit to the amount of miles you can make if it's not essential. No, not in the, not in England. There is in Wales okay. and Scotland. I oh. think it's five miles. Right. Um, which means bless her. I still haven't been able to see my mum and dad. She's desperate. Oh. Anyway, um, yeah. So I thought about well, you know, didn't have to be London, but somewhere. Um, but I didn't want to put myself in in kind of risk. <laughs> if it yeah, sounds no, selfish, no, doesn't I, it? I, I, no, I get it. It's not selfish at all because you put yourself at risk, then you by by extension put other people at risk. Yeah, true. So not selfish. So, no. Anyway, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't entertain that idea for very long. But uh, yeah, I, it will come back. Of course, it will. And 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 I think we you have seen some amazingly creative stuff going on, which is yeah. nice to see. Uh, I actually I have to write an article. Uh, by tomorrow, in fact, for Fujifilm. <laughs> Do you know you <laughs> socially distant shooting? You're the same as I was. Leave your homework to the eleventh hour. <laughs> it's like when you. How long have you, you had this assignment? Uh, not not long. It, what a month! I bet it's a month. I bet you've uh, had that a month. No, no, it came in yesterday or the oh, day right, before. Okay. Uh, Laura was like, "Oh, we need to get this up and running quick." I was like, "Okay," right. um, but. <laughs> It was a little bit like when you do when you're in university or doing your homework or uh, you know A levels, and you, you you've got all your revisions to do and you decide to go and clean the oven instead. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never cleaned the oven well, in my okay. life. Uh, it's really case, important to do it the night before my revision starts. In, in the next couple of months, you're going to have uh, whenever whenever you feel you 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 don't want to do a project, and go out and clean the chickens out. <laughs> oh, they'll be there, Kev, waiting for you, fluttering oh, in the wind. They will be. 
so uh, what were you going to say then anyway you think about the chickens now i, I kind of in, in, interrupted you with the mojo i'm not thinking about the chickens i'm thinking of things that live on chickens mm. um mm. no uh, yeah so I, I don't think my mojo has disappeared i have to say it's the opportunity has disappeared and uh, you know i'm still i'm still and i'm only taking what i would consider family snapshots of the around the house they're not stuff that i would you know think of publishing or anything um because they're yeah i think that's the line isn't it that that some people draw uh, or not it's not a line in the sand or such but i think a lot of people fall into the trap of thinking every picture they take must be put on instagram or must yeah. go on facebook yeah, or God, has yeah. to be great yeah. and you know it's not a, a vast majority of the pictures i've taken during this time are pictures that will will never ever be seen by anybody other than us because mm. they're only they're only for us. They're only memories for us. You know, it's that's it. It's not. It, it's not a a, a publishable stuff. Yeah. And so I don't think the mojo is really gone. I just think the opportunity to put my mojo in something has gone. <laughs> I beg your pardon. That's that bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Right. <laughs> last question of the show, Kev. You can do it. Okay. This is from Bartek, friend of the show, Bartek yeah. Witek. Yes. Polish man living in Ireland with the most beautiful accent. Do you remember Bartek from I do, the, yeah, yeah. the party he's, he's in a London? Lo- he's a lovely chap. A party <laughs> in London. Were we allowed to be next to each other? I don't recall a time like that. <laughs> he's uh, got this voice. He's, next to your voice, I think he's got the best voice in the world. Oh. Anyway, he says, hey, lovely people. Um, listening to the fun conversations between you both, your family inclusion and fantastic interviews gave me a huge boost to uh, to many including me thank you very much and uh he goes on to say i was wondering if you are using any backup ups battery backup power protection go on say that go on say that really quickly backup power backup prote- ups, ups battery backup, backup power protection backup, yeah, backup no. ups battery backup power protection <laughs> yeah no <laughs> and if <laughs> and if possible could you recommend some or invite a person that could talk about this more extensively Ooh. i was looking at introducing them to my workflow but i have no extensive knowledge about power requirements yeah. i was thinking about one larger to protect the imac with an additional monitor and four external hard drives also a little one that would protect the router i used to have in the old studio i think maybe maybe the farm was susceptible to it maybe that's why i got got into it i had a bank of these things kev um and I, I was absolutely just you know everything had to be connected to it um but i i just got out the habit of using them and now use surge strips which is probably not what you want to hear from a professional is it well no no i think surge strips are fine because i so bartek is on about essentially if you you know you get a bolt of lightning into the house absolutely, and the yeah. power goes down yeah yeah about keeping the computers running and they, and they shut is, them and they shut themselves down after say a minute or something don't they Safely. yeah so ups is stands for uninterruptible power supply yeah um oh, and, not not see, not the people that deliver all those packages that that uh, sam keeps <laughs> ordering online that doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really bother me i have to say that no? i mean i have surge protection yeah. so if we do get a bolt of lightning then it doesn't come up the computer and blow everything up but i'm not really that worried about kind of I have to say it's really one really weird because the other day I had a I had a, I did have a computer we did have a, a minor power cut and so the computer went off and it made me think a little bit about the way that I work now and everything is in the cloud literally so even the document I was working on a document at the time yeah. and or because I use the Microsoft stuff it's every time I write every time I open a document it's automatically saved to um, Microsoft OneDrive. Yeah. You know, the if I'm doing any coding, which I've been doing a little bit of, that's automatically saved to the cloud. Um, the only thing really that wouldn't be, but could be, because it's part of the uh, Creative Cloud system, is uh, photography stuff. Yeah. Lightroom, of course, yeah, you might get a corrupt catalog, but that's, that's recoverable. There, there was nothing really, in the old days... My word, you know, mm. you'd, you you could lose you forever. When I was working professionally in in IT, I spent more time pressing the save button than I did typing anything else, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess you're saying to Bartek, think carefully about why you need it. Yeah, I suppose so. I, it, it, for some people, it definitely won't be overkill, but for others, perhaps yeah. it will. And uh, as long as you're protected, as long as the iMac is protected from surge then um and surge as in the power surge not not some guy from uh, lithuania or something um you know you 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 want to you want to protect it of course yeah. i think also there has i think there's something in my insurance document that says because i have my computer 
uh, as part of my insurance because you should basically. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I ensure there's something in the insurance that says it has to be running via a surge protector power plug thingy. Yeah. They're relatively cheap these days. Uh, I, well, but the actual U, UPS, though, is not cheap, is it? No, no, no. UPS wouldn't be cheap, no. no. Um, and so I don't have one of those. And and, and I, I honestly, it's not something that I, I consider that I need. Right, okay. Well, that's um, that's it. Oh, we did get a, a, an email through here, Kevin. I wonder what, what you think I I should uh, I should probably do about this thing. Um, it's dear valued candidate, uh, you were recently nominated. This is both of us, Kev, by the way, um, as a biographical candidate for the next edition of Who's Who in America. We're pleased to inform you that the first phase of your candidacy has been approved. Click here to complete your profile. Should I do that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, do you want my credit card now? <laughs> I'm going to put that down there in the you're having a giraffe um, pile, which is uh, which is beginning to grow. Well, it's lovely to talk to you again, Kevin. I'm 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 really enthralled to hear that you're going to be getting some very very soon in the house. No, I would rather have a giraffe in the garden. <laughs> to be totally honest with you. Yeah. Well, I've I've got to admit now that I know what I saw going past your uh, your head earlier on today was actually the coop. Um and knowing knowing how our um single-minded Gemma may, may be on this subject. I I, I, I No, no, on on, the, on this subject, I think um that Gemma's going to win. She's not. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> right. Um, see, well, we may well be in the studio next week. I don't know. Um, to, together, that is. Um, if you'd like to send in your, your questions, please, we really do need them. You are the lifeblood of the show. Send to click at fujicast.co.uk. I'm not used to doing this, the the extra like we used to three months ago. I haven't heard you say the lifeblood of the show for ages. No, I know. Well, we, we stopped saying it. The other thing that we used to say, what was the other thing I remind you of? Oh, yes, go to fujicast.co.uk because you... Uh, to see all the um, uh, the links for those people that we talk about. What else did we remember do? the social in social media? Remember the social in social media, and uh, remember the chicken in the brand new chicken coop in Malmesbury. And remember to vote for us on the the UK podcast award. That's it. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye, Kev. Bye bye. The Fuji Cast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way. <laughs>